So what is your definition of a mother? Just loving person, just always willing to do the most for you, no matter what. I think of my mother when I think about home. Instead of a house, somewhere where it's warm and comforting, I think about what I think about my mom. A mom is someone who's supportive, loves you unconditionally, and helps you grow as a person. My definition of a mom is uh, someone who's nurturing, caring, uh, always looking out to, for my best interest, always has my back. The definition of a mom is someone that just gives. They love fiercely. They are willing to sacrifice things in their own life, to be able to wait also for things. And they take so much joy in just giving to their children. They are there as a nurse when you're sick. They are there as a cheerleader to help you go to whatever it is that you want to achieve in life. They show up in your life, at your school, and in areas that you wish that they wouldn't because they want to protect you. And they also want to just see you blossom. A mom is also a teacher. She does all kinds of things to help you be a responsible, sustainable, independent person to um, give back to others. They are a counselor, moms are counselors. They are people that give you advice in life so that you'll know how to make good choices, a spiritual guider in just somebody that can help you make decisions based on not just what's in your head or your emotions, but also based on the big picture in life. Like, you know, what what is there after life? A mom is also somebody that teaches you how to navigate relationships, um, teaches you how to clean up after yourself so you don't take advantage of the fact that she's a mom and we don't treat her like a maid. But most of all, she just teaches you how to love. How does your mom show that she loves you? Every day, you know, she'll come home um, around 4.30 and, you know, say hi. I help her in the kitchen. We talk about our day. It's just like just being involved like that, like always wanting to know what's going on and always coming home and cooking dinner, like right when she gets back from work and then making sure we all sit together for dinner. And then afterwards, she, <laughs> she, she has this, me and my sister, we sit together and we watch Jeopardy and we play together. And it's like a, it's like a nice tradition we do. So it's just having just her, just knowing that she wants to be around us and spend time with us, it's, it's that. Sending me packages of food. And now in the time of COVID, she sends me boxes and boxes of masks the cleaners, everything to make sure that I'm protected in any way that she can help me. She She's always really intuitive and, you know, I hide my emotions very well 
and she's always able to read them and she you know we have a lot of heart to heart conversations and i feel really open to speaking to her and talking about you know all my problems so just having that connection with her and just knowing that i have someone that i can always go to that won't judge me for anything so i think that's like the biggest like thing that she's able to give me that shows her love for me initially when i think of how my mom shows her love for me i think of the little things like um like when i was younger I wouldn't put my dishes away and stuff like that and she do those things for me and as I get older I realize that the laundry doesn't just magically appear in my room every day like someone has to do that and uh someone has to to plan all these things for me to do like sports and all this stuff and it's the things when I moved down on my own I didn't realize how much she did but uh and she doesn't ask for thanks or anything she just she just does so much for me and a lot of it goes unnoticed. How did she show that she loved me? It was like in so many different ways. My brothers and I, um, I have two younger brothers and they would, uh, when my family would go on vacation, it's really emotional because um, my mom's not alive. But when we would go on vacation, my mom would, get this shoe box and she would decorate the outside of it with either gift wrap or contact paper, you know, to make it stick on there. And she would put things in there. This is before cell phones and before, you know, anything, iPods, anything that you could play with that was uh, a technology device in the car. And she would put things in there to keep us occupied while we were driving. So in my brother's boxes, there would be like little etch-a-sketch things. There would be army soldiers. There would be playing cards. There would be things that we could do in the car while we're traveling because you don't have a lot of space, but there were snacks and just different things. And every day when we started our trip on vacation, if we were going cross country, she would always make sure there was something new in the box. So in my box, because I had a Barbie, she had made new clothes for my Barbie. So that was always really exciting to open up the box. But I also like to color and I like to um, be able to just draw. So she put little things in there, little pads of paper and coloring, um, colored pencils and crayons, things like that. That made it really special. She also taught me how to cook. She, one of the things that she did is when I was in high school, I wanted to be able to have my first kind of grown up dinner party. Uh, my mother made sure I knew how to cook, but she also taught my brothers. And so I planned the whole menu. I got to go to the store with her, pick out the, um, the ingredients to make everything for the dinner. And she helped me plan out like, this is how the dinner would go. Uh, you know, like a three course meal. And again, high school, but you know, it was fun and it was uh, pretty exciting. She also would just do things that were little things that we take for granted, but you know, taught me how to do laundry. So again, teaching me how to be uh, independent and being able to take care of myself. But that's hard for a mom because they want to keep their little chicks close to them, but they also know they have to raise you to to leave. How do you show you love your mom? Showing her affection, really. I feel like a lot of kids don't really do that. Like the second she comes home, I run out and I give her a hug. 
And, you know, before I go to bed, I say goodnight and I give her a hug and we just talk and stuff like that. Like just little things. I think the little things are what makes it important. But more of, I just kind of make sure that all her efforts of bringing me into this world is not wasted. I see like how much she puts in to be able to feed me, be able to have me in college and also have everything paid through with prepaid. I know that took a lot, but when I was younger, a lot of her money, a lot of her time, I don't want that to be shown that she wasted her time doing anything. A lot of, she's always trying new things and trying to figure out how to, you know, do certain stuff that she wants to do. She wants to sell stuff. And so I'm always helping her out with things like that and answering her questions and just guiding her through, you know, her goals. So I think that's how I show my love for her. I, I, I tell my mom I love her a lot, but I think, uh, I tell her I love her by, by doing my best in everything I do. I think she's sacrificed so much for me, both my parents have, for me to be able to do what I want and do all these different things, so I think. My way of showing that I love my mom is to help her in areas that, you know, she was struggling with. So she was a kind of a very neat hoarder of sorts. And so I would go and help her clean the house. But if I got angry with her because of something, I would go, oh, you know, I helped you clean the house and I threw away something, some recipe that she was wanting, something like that. That wasn't very kind of me, but nonetheless, I really wanted to be able to help my mom. As an adult though, when I, you know, got out of school, the things that I would do or, you know, I'd ask her what it is that she'd like to do. I knew the things she'd like to do, so I would take her out. We went to um, places to eat that I knew she would like. We would visit museums. Winter Park has an art show. We went to that. So anything that she liked to do is, is really what I would want to do. Welcome to the Intune Whisperer Live, the show all about the future of work. So this week's Intern Whisperer tip for employers is we're still looking at the Department of Labor's criteria. We're going to look at the last one, number seven. And I'm again, I'm reading it straight from the Department of Labor's criteria. The extent to which the intern and the employer understand that the internship is conducted without entitlement to a paid job at the conclusion of the internship. So employers, if it's an unpaid internship, don't promise anything upfront. You don't have to promise that you're gonna give them a job. You just need to have really, this is my, my coaching to you all, is do a good job of identifying what are the skills and the tasks that can be on that resume. And the goal is to help them find a paying job. So let's just jump into our episode. We're gonna look at the future of the retail industry. And we're gonna focus on Mother's Day because Mother's Day, everybody has a mom. And we need to always remember to appreciate our moms. And by the way, Mother's Day, it outsells Valentine's Day and Christmas because everybody has a mom. So in memory of our moms and just recognizing how awesome they are, instead of our faces, we have our mom's faces up here. So Caesar, you know, you want to tell us just a sentence about your mom? What's her name and what does she do? Her name is Sonia. She is a coordinator, I believe, at, a, at TJ Maxx, a store that's a couple minutes away from here. And she is one of 
she is just the best. She is awesome. She's thoughtful. She's funny. Like you wouldn't think when you first meet her, she's she's just she's really easy to get to know, get to know, easy to talk to. So that's why that's why I love my mom. She's great. That's awesome. So hopefully she'll listen to the show and she'll know that this one is dedicated to our moms. My mom's name is Judy, and uh, I I think I look like my mom. She has better hair right now um, in this picture. And I, my mom is no longer alive. I miss my mom a lot. And I just think that um, she just never knew how awesome that she really was. But so this episode is dedicated to moms everywhere. We are thankful for the women that loved us from infancy through adulthood. And there's another side to Mother's Day. And our focus in May is about the retail industry and how that is being impacted because of COVID, but also, Gosh, there's just a lot of opportunity in the retail industry. It can be from Walmart to all the way up to the big, you know, high-end stores that we buy. And let's not forget Amazon. There's all types of retail that is out there. People buy online. But in this show, we're going to look at the roots and the history of the first Mother's Day. When did it start? How much money is made in the retail industry to honor our moms? And we're going to put a value on how many hats that a mom wears. And then we're going to hear from all different types of ages of people that will share a little bit about moms. What is the definition of a mom? What is a sacrifice that they've made for them? What is the sweetest memory they have? But you're going to hear different people's stories. So we really hope you enjoy the show. So let's take a brief history of Mother's Day. How many modern holidays are there? Mother's Day did not, didn't quite pop up out of the blue. The ancient Greeks and Romans dedicated festivals to the mother goddess Rhea and Sibylla, respectively, and the 16th century England gave rise to Mothering Sunday, during which children would make a pilgrimage to their family church, also called the Mother Church. I'm pretty sure our listeners have heard that on the fourth Sunday of Lent. The trip provided a good excuse for a family family reunion and a day off for domestic servant workers, usually the daughters, so that they could go and see their mothers. So Caesar, did you know that, and I know you do because you did all of this history, but the real history of Mother's Day in the United States came about because of three women, or I'm sorry, It came about because of three women, Anne Reeves Jarvis, Julie Ward Howe, and Anne's daughter, Anne M. Jarvis. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how this all got started? So the three of these women were on a mission. Their mission was essentially to remind women to focus on something that all of us should be focused on, which is better health, welfare, peace, and love. And to celebrate this message on the second Sunday in May each year. So officially, Mother's Day became a holiday in May 12, 1907, as a result of the efforts of Anne Jarvis, the daughter of Anne Reeves Jarvis. It essentially became a woman's movement to better the lives of other Americans. You know what? My mother's birthday is May 11th. And oftentimes, I think it's like every four, four years, it was almost like it was leap year that it would roll over Mother's Day and my mom's birthday would be on the same day. And so it was, um, I I don't know if my mother ever felt cheated, 
out of that, but I don't think so. But you know what was super cool when you were sharing about how the mission was to remind women about better health, welfare, peace, and love? Kind of sounded a little bit like Miss America pageant. Oh, we just want world love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about Anna Reeves Jarvis? So Anna was known as Mother Jarvis. She was a young Appalachian homemaker who taught Sunday school lessons. She also was a, long, a lifelong activist who in the mid 1800s, she would organize the Mother's Day Work Club in West Virginia to combat un, unsanitary living, living conditions and to teach young mothers how to safely care for their children. But, while, but during the Civil War, Mother Jarvis has also organized women's brigades which was encouraging women to help without regard for which side their man, man had, had chosen. So after the war, she proposed a, mother, a Mother's Friendship Day to promote peace between former Union and, and confe Confederate. Confederate. And she, <laughs> Confederate. And she hoped, and she said in a quote, I hope and pray that someone sometime will find a memorial Mother's Day commemorating her for the, for the matchless services she renders to humanity in every field of life. Anna, Anna Jarvis once said, she's entitled to it, which referring to mothers all around the world. That is cool. So let's look at Julie Ward Howe. Um, now she was a famous poet and a reformer. And during the Civil War, she volunteered for the US Sanitary Commission, which means she was helping to provide hygienic environments for hospitals and ensure sanitary conditions during the care of the sick and the wounded soldiers. So she also authored the famous Civil War anthem, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Oh my gosh, we may not have known that. So just a little reminder that there are women that are doing things that are amazing and creating music, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. You should all know that one. Around 1870, Julie Ward Howe also called for a Mother's Day of for peace, and she dedicated the celebration of peace and the eradication of war. And she expressed what is now called the Mother's Day Proclamation in 1870, and she felt that mothers should gather to prevent the cruelty of war and the waste of life, since mothers of mankind alone bear and know the cost. The cost is the loss of a child. And back then it was predominantly men. Howe's version of Mother's Day was held in Boston and other locations for about 30 years, and she died a quick death in the years preceding World War I. So the last one we have is Anne M. Jarvis. She's the daughter of her mother. And notice her name. Oh, well, it's not Anne, it's Anna. So I'm making a correction here, Anna M. Jarvis. And she wanted to memorialize her life and remember and started a campaign for a national day to honor all mothers. In May of 1907, Anna memorialized her mother's lifelong activism with a memorial service that was held at the Methodist Church and where her mom taught. Woodrow Wilson, who was president at the time, signed a bill designating the second Sunday in May as the legal holiday for Mother's Day. And that's significant because you know that's where that holiday originally started from. And Anna simply wanted to honor her mother and the work that she had done and claimed that her mother was the originator of the real Mother's Day. 
She was really sad to see that Mother's Day became more commercialized with the sending of cards and gifts and used as a way to promote other causes. Sadly, Anna spent the last, the final years of her life trying to abolish the very holiday that she had helped to establish. And that is where we are looking at the actual history and the beginning of how that retail industry began to impact a day that was meant for a special, almost a private celebration, but yet it was turned into a commercialization of the holiday. So there's many times we see that in the retail industry, how um, any, anybody, they're picking up on those, whether it's National Popcorn Day or if it's National Take a Friend to Work, there's cards for just about everything. And that comes from the retail industry. I'm not saying that's bad, Caesar. I just, uh, I think everybody should be able to, to honor people the way that they would like and everybody needs to make a living. But it's also kind of sad that Anna was really troubled by the fact that it became a commercial representation of how to honor your mom. So a little bit sad. Um, I think it's good actually that the commercial industry did step in because you know we need to remember how significant a role uh, that a mo mother plays in the life of her children. Do you have an opinion about commercializing Mother's Day or keeping it um, just private where it's not like, oh, there's not all of this, get cards, get flowers, get take her out to eat, get a present. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think commercializing it is a, a, a good and a, like a good and a bad, get bad because like, like Anna, Anna wanted to keep it private, but at the same time, these companies are giving us more opportunities to show our mothers that in other ways, how we, how much we love the love and appreciate them. So I agree. I think it's a good reminder because people may not remember to acknowledge their, their mom, you know, during the year and having a special day as just a reminder, it's a good thing, but let's jump into what does mother's day look like today. So now we want to make sure that we are acknowledging moms and all that they do. And we can consider that by a baby's second birthday. It's a diaper that has been changed approximately 7,300 times. That's a lot of butt wiping right there. Let's just call yeah. it what it is. <laughs> so each diaper change by a mom takes approximately two minutes. Whereas a dad, well, we'll remember this statistic when it comes time for Father's Day. A dad might change the diaper about one and a half minutes. So they're a little bit faster. Mother's taking a little bit more care. The preschool age children demand a lot of a mom's attention, approximately 210 times more per day, which is equivalent, the equivalent is about four minutes. And the mom of preschool children will spend approximately three hours a day on childcare and approximately two hours on household chores. And I would say that that's got to be for uh, moms that are working a job outside of the home because being a mom is a full-time job. So for moms who work, the workday plus childcare and chore time equals an average of a 13 hour day. And that is a long time. I, yep, I would say that is quite a bit. 
there's 24 hours in a day. When we add those, let's say that they get eight hours of sleep, we're looking at eight, nine, 10, 11, 21 hours. So they're just getting a few hours for themselves really in the day. So Mother's Day, it endures, it evolves. And just as Mother's Day was the creation of multiple women, the modern Mother's Day celebrates the varied roles of mothers that we have today and all of the myriad of roles that they, uh, they actually walk. We commemorate many mothers uh, who have fought to have better lives for their children from social work to nonviolence. And we also honor the way mothers have raised and nurtured their children Caesar, did you ever hear of this book called The Five Love Languages? No. Why don't you uh, look that one up real quick here? Because there are five ways it's written by a psychologist. And when he was looking at how people like to receive love, it was in five different ways. So you can tell me when you have it. But one is that they want to have gifts. People like to get gifts. But there's a priority. Everybody's different. One, the second way people like to know that they're loved is through words of affirmation. The third way a person likes to know that they're loved is through touch, you know, a hug, a kiss on the cheek, whatever, you know, they just want their, they want to be able to know that their mom um, really loves them in that way. And then we have the fourth and the fifth way. Do you have that pulled up so you can tell us what those are? So you said receiving gifts, quality time, Oh, I did not say quality time. So uh, they want to have, yeah. So being able yes. to give time. And that means like, maybe you have that, um, I'm going to use this loosely, but like a date night. And a date night can be with your spouse or significant other, but it can be just special time with your child. And it's going out to maybe a movie or whatever it is based on the age of the child they like. So we have presents, we have words of affirmation, we have time. We also have um, a hugs, you know, some type of physical touch. And then what's our last one? The last one is acts of service. Service. Yeah. And so an act of service, that could be that you went out and you washed your mom's car and you totally surprised her. We need to know that it doesn't always have to be that you buy the gift. It can be that you make your mom dinner. It can be that you are taking her out for a walk right? None of those really have to cost a lot of money or, you know, you can just fix whatever it is that you can afford for dinner. That's fine. It could be almonds, who knows, but it's the time that you spend with the person and the fact that you do something that demonstrates that you're there to, to serve them. So doing the laundry, any of those things that they're a big deal, really big deal. So that's cool that you did that stuff for your mom. She definitely knows that you love her for that. So then when we are looking at this um, in 2020, the average person will spend over $200 per person on Mother's Day. And what if, oh my gosh, what if you have a stepmom or you have grandmothers, right? So it's not just Mother's Day. Now you're also putting in, there's grandparents, there's grandmothers, there's stepmothers. There could be an aunt that's super special to you. And maybe she doesn't have kids which is significant considering the high amount of job losses during May of last year. And what's also shocking is that the amount of spending went up by $10 since 2019. 
And it just tracks that more and more people are giving their moms more monetary love per year than maybe those acts of service or those hugs or the gift of time. So in 2005, people spent about $11.5 billion on their mothers. That is a lot of moolah. Good research here, I'm gonna tell you, uh, Caesar. And by 2015, that number hit a high of 21.2 billion. It looks like it's, it's almost doubled. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, almost double what it was in 10 years. And as of 2020, 25 billion was spent on mothers. So it's possible that spending will continue to climb as more women become mothers and inflation continues to be a factor. I think, I think if we go back to what the original three women that were focusing on what Mother's Day should be and Anna, we'll go back to her, Anna Jarvis. What she might have appreciated is if there was a focus on an act of service, an act of you know, words, an act of giving your mom hugs, and then you know some type of um, time. And instead of spending money, maybe the other four love languages would have been a good way of showing, in her eyes, what how we should show love for our moms. Other than buying gifts, I think, especially like your mom lives like long distance, you should just give take the time out of your day just just call her because that little thing will probably brighten her day, make her day even better because she's talking to one of her children. I agree. And that is really, instead of buying gifts, I, let's just even call your mom once a week. Just touch base. Make sure that she knows that you're thinking of her. Have those really, you know, conversations that um, are just everyday things. It doesn't have to have some type of agenda. One of the things that my brother and I would uh, say about our mom is, <laughs> we we didn't always like the fact that she would be in our business because she was bigger than Facebook in our eyes. If whatever it is that was going on, and if you didn't want people to know it, she would tell people about it. And I was going, oh my God, mom, please, like, don't be telling everybody our business. We didn't want it out there, but, you know, that came with her being the mom. So, you know, we, uh, we kind of rode that train together, my brothers and I, and uh, we, we loved our mom for sure. But that was one of the things that we would say, no, we didn't want all of our business out there. But, you know, they're still moms. They're proud of us. They have, want to talk to us. And so we should pick up the phone and call them frequently, for sure. So digital marketing for Mother's Day. Now, this is significant. There's over 85.4 million mothers in the United States alone. And it is not just mothers that receive gifts for the holiday. It's wives, daughters, sisters, godmothers, friends, grandmothers, aunts, all of those other relatives that also get gifts. So this is where it begins to kind of get a little bit out of control, it seems. And with that said, this commonly celebrated holiday has a broad market and it can be positive and negative like we've been sharing before. So many people will buy gifts for Mother's Day and it isn't difficult to sell during that time. Everybody's running into a store to pick up a card or pick up flowers or whatever is still on the shelf if it's chocolates. What is difficult is capturing the attention when everyone else is competing in that space. So most shoppers do target searches online 
and they begin searching for specific flowers or brands. And so that is going to be that is a big day, big shopping day online to have things delivered. And I bet Amazon Prime is just like over the top on that day. So how marketers capitalize on these last minute shoppers. Um, mothers don't necessarily, Mother's Day attention doesn't necessarily start to grow until the last week or even the day before. So it's important for the retail business to reserve a budget for that last initial push. And you may notice that there's targeted ads during these last few days. Here, be sure to get your mom flowers or here, be sure to get, you know, your last minute card. Um, and those card aisles are just like empty, but they still, you know, you, you're looking for things. So you might, Caesar, I don't know if you've done this, um, done a last minute card search, but uh, if you're going in there the day of, it's pretty slim when it says from a son to a mother. <laughs> so, you know, that's when a lot of guys are going in there, ooh, I've got to go get a card and uh, on their way to visit their mom. Tell me, I'm pretty sure you're not one of those last minute shoppers, but are you? Oh, no, I, I usually like to plan ahead when it comes to like either her birthday, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, also Christmas. I try to like plan ahead. So I'm not like going out there like at eight o'clock at night to looking for a perfect gift <laughs> for her. So that's kind of, that's kind of crazy to me that people actually, actually wait. I understand because, you know, we're all busy doing our own, doing our own schedule, but I find it crazy how you see people in like Walmart, for example, like digging, plowing through like the aisles, trying to find the best chocolates or the best cards. And I just like that chaos can all, well, at least that chaos can be avoided to a certain extent if you like plan early, don't wait like to the last minute. So rather than like, oh, watch like the like the most like recent sports game, like sports, like like football, soccer, like that, rather than do that, take the time out of like your Sunday, if you're or whenever you're off to go out like week before if you can to like go buy a gift if you if you could buy a gift for your mother that she's gonna cherish and love don't wait till the last minute because like i feel like if you put if you put if it's last minute you're not gonna put that much effort in since like you know while well, weeks before like oh you have things to think of you had things like to talk about in the car things like that so i think it's it's really key and and critical to try to plan ahead so don't try not to wait till the last minute. But at the same time, I get it. I understand why that happens. Yeah, I agree with you. If you're going to be doing something for your mom, she can tell if it was a last minute gift too. So you don't want to be having that type of a memory left for your mom. She'll appreciate it, but she'll, believe me, they're a mom. They already know if you went in, oh, you just got this and there's no other cards on the shelf and it's like a it says from a son to a mom but let's pretend like it's the five-year-old card that's being given and you're like 25 yeah. years old that says a lot and then you're going to try and blow it off and go oh yeah well you know it's like i was really thinking of when i was five and i how much i love you and i still love you that much please come on you know moms can see through that stuff yeah definitely Anyway, Pinterest and Instagram will really capitalize on Mother's Day and out of 65% of the over 250 keywords, Pinterest holds one to five on the search engines for targeted pins on Mother's Day. And influential mom bloggers tend to kick into overdrive and they will offer recipes and gifts and any last minute crafts that a person can purchase just to impress your mom and you know show that you love them. 
uh, giveaways on Instagram will pop up in May and well, and you only have a few weeks because remember it's the second Sunday. So, you know, it's popping up in that first week of May and they are not only targeting gift givers, but mothers as well, because moms have their own moms and they may want to go and get something for themselves, even if, you know, their child doesn't or may, may or may not give them a gift. So sales are common in the jeweler, uh, jewelry retailers, um, subscription services that may offer a free month to capitalize, like, you know, if your mom's saying that she wants to uh, have fruit of the month, or maybe it's uh, a special gym membership at a really cool spin place, or it could be at a bar restaurant, B-A-R-R-E, just to be clear, it's like ballet, not going to the drinking bar, just saying for oh, our listeners. I was, yeah. I was gonna, I was like, mm, bar. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not that kind of a bar. Yeah. So we're going to take a brief moment to acknowledge our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and then we'll be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. So let's look at the seven uh, seven of the most inspiring moms throughout history. I like this one. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about Candy Leitner. Um, she suffered something that no mother ever should. She had to bury her child. And her daughter died from a drunk driving accident in 1981. And Candy, the mother, started an organization, a nonprofit called Mothers Against Drunk Driving, or MAD. And that death caused by a drunk driver is the only socially acceptable form of homicide, she had said in People magazine. Her anger was channeled in such a positive way that benefited so many other people that went through a grieving process just like herself. It's amazing. And she's still a very big activist in this area. Uh, you know, it's not even drunk driving. It's still, um, I'm, I would be surprised that there's, her organization probably has an influence even on uh, texting. I'm surprised that there's not a mom that has lost a child uh, due to texting and the child may have been killed in that accident. It probably is, and I'm just unaware of it. So if our listeners know of anybody, that type of an organization, I hope they share it. But I, I cannot imagine anything worse than losing a child. And my parents did. My youngest brother, uh, Josh, died. And when he, he did, it was a, a drug overdose. It was so hard on my parents. And that just, that just must be awful. Anyway, let's jump over here to Marie Curie. Why don't you go ahead and talk about Marie? So Marie Curie was, is amazing because she was one of the first women to win Nobel Prize for the formula for discovery of radi radiation and polymium and her huge contribution to finding treatment for cancer. And she was also a wonderful mom. So she gave birth to two daughters Irina, Julie, Juliet, Curie, and Eve Curie. Irene was a chemist like her mother. And, but unfortunately, she eventually died from effects of radiation exposure, just like her mother. Eva 
she was a journalist, famous for writing her mother's biography. And all of this hard work proved to her daughters that women can conquer anything. Yes, yes, mothers out there, you can do anything. You can conquer anything, do anything. We believe in you. You got this. And also, did I mention that she raised these two daughters as a single mom? I, I know for me, my, I live in a, my mom is a single mom. It's just me, me and my mother in, this, in my home. I can only imagine how much of a struggle it was for her. I know, I know from my experience, my mother was awesome at it. She, she played it like a champ because she would work nine to five retail five times a week. And she would even come home and cook every day. So she was just my hero, my star. She is amazing. And Maria, you are too, because you did awesome things, life-changing things as a single mother. We're always in two daughters. So I can only imagine how much of a struggle that was, but look at, look at our children now. And she did amazing things in this world. Someday, this is a quote, someday when my children are old enough to understand the logic that motivates a mother, I'll tell them. I loved you enough to bug you about where you were going, with whom and what time you would get home, she once wrote. I loved you enough to be silent and let you discover your friend was a creep. I loved you enough to make you return a Milky Way with a bite out of it to a drugstore and confess I stole this. But most of all, I loved you enough to say no when you hated me for it. That was the hardest of all. That is, I think, the, the coolest comment, um, quote, because being a mom does not mean you say yes to everything. <laughs> and parents are, you know, parents, moms and dads are both, um, they don't like saying no. But if you really love somebody, you actually will say no. And that's important to remember, because not everything a child does is uh, good. And teaching a lesson like, oh, well, you stole this. Now you're going to take it back and you're going to have to apologize for it. And I'm giving you money for this so you can pay for it. And you're going to do extra chores. You're teaching them consequences with actions and being able to hopefully build a person with character um, that has morals and character. And I, I just love Irma Bombeck. Let's jump into Tammy Duckworth. You go ahead and share this one. So Tammy Duckworth is known for a few things. One thing, she's a senator. But one of the biggest thing was she was a wounded veteran back in 2004. She was also a pilot. She flew the Black Hawk for her base in Iraq when she was attacked. This incident, unfortunately, caused her both of her legs. But she didn't let that stop her from living her life. She became a first-time mother at the age of 46. Her firstborn, which which was, her name was Abigail, and her second child is named Malia. Mali, Malia. And this, the, her, their, both of their births inspired her to start the Friendly Airport for Mothers Act, which was a really life-changing act, if you think about it, because it made it easier for, for breastfeeding moms to travel. Mm -hmm. That is a big deal. And to think about how somebody has lost their legs, you know, that's significant. That is significant because she has a lot of uh, moms are always having to run around. So I'm using it in that that context for sure. You know, she has no legs to chase after her kids. So she's still even having to chase after her kids in some ways, whether it's in a wheelchair or however she was, you know, moving around the space. 
but that is significant. That's a, another hurdle to being a mom because how do you chase after a two-year-old? That is, that's hard. <laughs> so really let's is, look yeah. at Michelle Obama. Even today, Michelle Obama is making waves and she is the former first lady. We all know her from that. She worked extensively to make sure that children in schools everywhere got nutritious lunch, lunches. And as a mom, she's done her best to make sure that her daughters, Sasha and Malaya, had the most normal childhood they could possibly have given they were living in the White House. Not everyone's father is the president after all, and that is so true, but there's been plenty of moms that have raised their children, but Michelle Obama is very much loved uh, in this present day. So these days, she's still trying to give her daughters a healthy sense of privacy, and she's admitted to Oprah that she doesn't follow them on social media so as not to intrude too much as they're becoming young adults. That is really cool because that has got to be hard. You want to know what your kids are doing all the time, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's look at Dana Suskind. So Dana comes with a story. She's best known for starting a pediatric cochlear implant program at the University of Chicago Medicine the Corner Children's Hospital, which has been a life-changing program for those born without the ability to hear. But she also ra raised her own family filled with smart young minds who are looking to change the world, and she's doing it solo. But Donna's husband, Donald Liu Lee, died a year after he tried to save children from, dr from drowning in a strong current in Lake Michigan. These, and this incident inspired Dana's 13-year-old 13 13-year-old 13 to start up a program to help others who have lost parents. It's called SLAP, S-L-A-P-D, and it stands for Surviving Life After Parents' Death. I can't imagine my, a parent of my passing, unfortunately. I, I know you've mentioned Isabella, but I, I, you are a grace for the way you handle it, the way I can imagine how you were, but it's, 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 it's hard sometimes losing a parent, especially at such a young age. Yep, it sure would. I sure would. So our last mom is Maya Angelou. Maya is best known for being a poet and a writer. Her expertise came in the form of stories about her own childhood and entrance into adulthood. And she is a woman of color. Many libraries threatened to ban her books. They were considered controversial. Plenty of young students still managed to find access and learn from her journey. But Maya was also, <clears throat> also a mother. She had a son named Guy who was constantly asking what it was like to be raised by such an influential woman. Um, oh, well, not that he was asking. Let me rephrase that. She had a son named Guy who was constantly asked what it was like to be raised by such an influential woman. And his reply was, I grew up in her light. He said on a program called OWN, sometimes I wasn't worthy of it, but it's always been an experience that expanded me. You know, that's such a beautiful way to say that, you know, grew up in her light. So putting a price tag on moms is a very hard thing to do. And salary.com, but salary.com um, did try to give it a shot. So when you think about what a mom does, they're a chauffeur, they're over here as a academic advisor, 
they are a teacher, they will be an art director, they are doing all types of things. They are out working in the yard, taking their kids there. They are the, you know, a nurse essentially when their child gets sick. So this was all broken down into the various roles that a mom would be. And that salary comes to $162,581 and it rises every year. And that was last checked in 2019, just to be clear for our listeners. But if we looked at all of those hats that a mom wears, it, like I said, academic advisor, an accountant, it takes money. You have to be a good person with money to be able to run a household. You're an art director, you're a designer, you're an athletic uh, director. And maybe it's not a director, but you know, those years of experience, you become a director. So, you know, the salary would increase. You're not just a new mom forever. So that's important to remember all of these hats that a mom does wear. But let's take a minute to look at um, some great work from home jobs. So Caesar, what are these work from home jobs that you found? Because now that we have had been in COVID world for over a year, 18 months, I guess, um, let's look and see what are the jobs that are available? Because they were there, but now they're even more pronounced and available. So I'll just name a couple. So a couple would be a customer service rep, a data entry specialist, a recruiting coordinator, a proofreader, a writer slash blogger, a online teacher, a virtual assistant, an accounting clerk, a graphic designer, a health coach, which makes sense because I know moms are always watching out for what, especially the young ones are watching out for what they're eating. But it continues when I get, as I get older, I know from experience it's happening now. And then would be marketing specialist, social media specialist, web designer, and travel consultant. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to throw in the transcriptionist because goodness knows they have to actually take a lot of notes and make sure that they're understanding with this online education that they've had to participate in, whether they liked it or not. So anyway, that's very, very interesting about the role that moms have uh, that have available to them now. And the salary ranges could be anywhere from about 34,000 all the way up to taking a little quick peek, I see up to 49,000. So there's quite a bit of money um, that moms can, and then there's an average, a median salary that people would make, but it is possible to be able to work from home. So we're getting ready to say goodnight and goodbye to our listeners. And I also wanna thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios. Thanks to our production team, Cesar Delgado, associate producer intern, video and editing by Steve Neese and Ashley Gonzalez and Nala Ellie, and our school partners, Cornell Radio and Valencia College. If, for those employers, if you want to visit our website, you can go to internpursuit.tech to learn how you can get matched to amazing intern talent and listen to our podcast. Like it, share it, leave us a comment, and thank you for subscribing to us. For Mother's Day, for all of the moms everywhere, we want to say we love you and appreciate you. And is there any last word you want to say to your mom? <laughs> my mother is amazing. She really knows this. She's awesome. I love her so much. I, can, I can't imagine my life without her. She is my grace. She is my the wind beneath my wings. That's probably a little 
um corny but you know that's that's how i feel about her she's awesome i love her so much she content she is one of my motivations to to keep going never stop believing what i want to do and she is awesome and i love her so much i can't can't stop saying that enough and i appreciate her and she's just awesome she's great i feel like i'm a i feel like i'm a second clone of a clone of her because she i get the same characteristics of her it's like we're both funny the only thing is she's a little short i'm a little taller for my height that's the only probably difference that we have but yeah i love her so much she's great she's awesome she's fantastic i i just want her to know she's my hero i she is one of the one of my role models for from she's been my only role model i want to say for my whole life and she is continue she's continues to be she continues to be that and she's killing it and i love her so much mom all right well thanks to all the moms and thank you to our listeners we enjoy having you here with us. So what is the biggest sacrifice that your mom has made for you? She works so hard to make sure we have the best kind of life because she's a single mom, so she's doing it all by herself. So I think I think that's it. She's always on top of us and making sure we're getting good grades and um, always cooks us a home-cooked meal every day for dinner. and. Whenever we need something, like she'll try her best to get it. Just, just stuff like that. One memory I have is, you know, I was having, I, you know, I had a really bad, um, like a really bad week, and I felt like my mental health was like kind of just going down, and I really kept that hidden just to myself. But um, I guess she just, like I said, she's really intuitive, and she kind of figured that out. And one time she took me out of school early in the morning. I was like, what's going on? Why do you take me out of school? And she says, you know, I feel like you've been really down lately and I just want to talk to you and just see that everything's okay. And I didn't want to wait. You know, I didn't want to wait for you to get out of school and everything. And we just had a heart to heart conversation. And, you know, I never talked to anybody about how I'm feeling, not to my friends, not to anybody. So just like letting that out and her being so accepting it just, I think from that moment on, it really changed our relationship as well, because then I really knew that I could trust her not to judge me. I know they started from nothing. They actually started in New York, started from scratch, worked hard every single day, up to this very point right now when COVID was the stopping point for them because they have to, but even then, they still want to kind of continue working and thinking about opening up another new business trying to provide for our family, even though they don't have to. And I don't like asking my parents for anything right now because I'm at that age where I can I can and should provide for myself. But in a sense of a parent, they still continue to give me more than I need, which is wonderful. She was born in Dominican Republic and she only came um, to America for vacation when she met my dad and fell in love and all that stuff. And she ended up staying here and becoming a citizen for me so I can, you know, so I can be born here and I can have, you know, the privileges that, you know, being an American citizen has. And she kind of, she gave up her whole life in Dominican Republic. She even had, you know, um, education in a law school so she could have become a lawyer. But, you know, going here, like, that degree doesn't, you know, how she has to kind of start it over, but she kind of put that on pause to raise me and my sister. So it's a big sacrifice. And, you know, I want to be able in the future, with everything that she's given to me, when I become a mother, that I'm able to, you know, 
do that for my kids and give them the care and love that she has, you know, given me and my sister. I think the biggest sacrifice that my mom made for me was um, letting me go to school for film in Florida and being really, really encouraging of it. I, I know it wasn't easy on her. I know she was really emotional me moving away from home, but I think fully committing and cheering me on while I did it and telling me how happy she was for me. I needed that. I needed to hear that to be able to do it or else I wasn't going to do it. I think that we both knew what I wanted to do, my whole family did, but it wasn't going to be easy for me and my mom pushing me to do it, I think was a huge sacrifice for her because uh, once I left, it was like, like things totally changed. Like it, it, we knew it was a big deal. And I think uh, her encouraging me to do it was hard for her, but it ultimately led to me doing it. So I'm glad it happened. So one of the things that she would do at Christmas, she wouldn't put our names on our Christmas pa packages. She wrapped, and we did not know this until we became adults. She would wrap our packages in a specific color. So we wouldn't be able to know, oh, let's go open up the presents. Um, so one might be red, that could be one of my brothers. The others might be all green. There were no name tags on anything. My dad's might be blue Christmas paper. Mine might be, you know, gold, whatever. But anyway, maybe it had a pattern, whatever. There was always something, it wasn't ever predictable. It was always something that was uh, mixing it up quite a bit so that we would not uh, be able to figure it out and, you know, hopefully not try to open presents. I think that was really smart on her part. And I have to commend her on that one. Um, the thing that I think that she did that was a sacrifice was, gosh, there's quite a few things. Um, she would make sure that, you know, our needs were taken care of, but she and my dad, I think, and I'm gonna put my dad in this mix also. They did a really good job of um, teaching us how to take care of ourselves. I'm really stressing that quite a bit because I wanted to get contacts. I was wearing glasses at the time and my parents said, well, if you wanna get those, you're gonna to have to go ahead and um, learn how to save some money and be able to buy those for yourselves because this is what we'll give you. We'll give you this, uh, which was glasses. And so I went and got a job and you know they taught me how to save money. But it was also when I went to school and, and because I was saving money, I was able to get contacts and you know make that decision for myself. But my parents, my mom also, um, I wanted to go away to school. I, when I was going to college. And I did not want to um, stay around, you know, in Orlando. So I was picking the farthest college I could go to that was in the state of Florida. And it was um, FSU. And my major was originally gonna be criminal justice. But my mom said if I stayed home that, and went to UCF or, you know, any school here in Orlando, I would, they would get me a car. And that was not enough for me to want to stay. But that was a big sacrifice, I think, because what we decided is um, I would go to University of Florida and we, you know, drove up there, looked at the school, and that was really hard for my mom. That was a, a big deal because although at the time 
I didn't really realize it. It's always hindsight. I think that people see stuff. And in hindsight, she was um, having to take her her hands off of me as her firstborn and let me go. I think that's a really big sacrifice that moms make for their kids.